All right. Do anything else? Do I need to say anything else about that? <laughs> Ladies Luau. We have a thriving women's ministry here, by the way, if you haven't discovered it. And by the way, always our beloved bulletins are still here. So if you miss something, or think, oh, they went so fast about giving, about any announcements, they're all here too. So you can take this and uh, take it home. And also there's these wonderful connect cards if you just want to get closer to us and uh, you need some information or about your children or whatever. And by the way, uh, just was here uh, for the graduation of our first class, our first school class and all the kids are moving up to their grades and uh, oh man it was just so great and I don't know how many kids are there 100 kids maybe in their families and uh, there's going to be maybe 130 or 140 uh, next year and um, so we're pretty excited about this it's part of a larger thing uh, really that's going on all over the Christian communities we just realize we have to take the education of our kids uh, back into our hand a little bit more closely a little tightly and uh, so we're doing that. And by God's grace, uh, someday we'll be all the way through high school, but we're through junior high now. And um, so I wanted to say that because it's going to be probably a little bit of um, moving around here in the next couple of months. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to getting all of our permissions from the city to actually, again, take another step. How many of you like the way our, our auditorium has been transformed? It's pretty good, huh? And... Uh, and then, of course, we had to play catch-up with all the video and trying to learn how to do all of that, you know, and I think we about got that down and um, we created whole new rooms for the video and we're just making all kinds of uh, changes uh, here. But uh, one thing you're going to see is in the facility itself, um, especially on this side of the facility and outside, uh, that nasty old fence, which I'm grateful for, <laughs> that rent a fence is, is leaving and a beautiful fence and beautiful uh, outdoor area. Matter of fact, we're even looking at a fountain where we can baptize people and have a beautiful fountain at the same time. So I stole that idea from someone else. It's not an original idea. It's pretty cool. And just all kinds of chairs and the trees and then just an extended area for the children, even a play area. It'll be like a McDonald's inside thing, you know, with the play, kids play, play inside and outside. And just it'll be nice all the way around. And uh, just adjustments also over there. Junior high and high school will be moving over there, and um, new rooms will appear, all kinds of adjustments. And so we've been working on this for a long, long time. And so we're just getting to the edge of all of our approvals we need. All the architectural plans are all drawn. So uh, just keep praying for us and remembering us in this. It's uh, been a long, extended process, but uh, we've been very busy during COVID-19. It's actually wonderful. I was talking to a couple of pastors the other day. I think, I, I told them, I said, man, I tell you, this has, been, this has been amazing. This has been a great time. I said, really? I said, yeah, I'm telling you. This is, we've been very, I, I never worked so hard in my entire life uh, for supposedly not being in church. We, I, I've never, wow. So, and we haven't missed much church either. Only a few weeks completely that I know of. And so, uh, Amy, why don't you stand up for a minute? This is Amy. She's uh, a part of our, she's overseeing actually a part of all of the school area and everything, the Wickstroms. I don't know, I didn't see your husband in here. And we're also making adjustments with regard to our children's ministry. Um, uh, all of that's going on with the children on the school side is catching up with us. And before you know it, uh, we're going to have, I believe, uh, the best children's program you could have here uh, during our services. It's just going to be amazing. So we're, we're investing heavily into it. Uh, to this, we're, we're putting our full force behind it, and 
when you marry the school and you marry the uh, uh, the uh, church uh, Sunday school, it, it just produces an incredible synergy between the grades and the you know some of your same friends that are in the school or in you know in church, and it just makes it great. And I just think this is all part of us as a community growing into our calling, growing as a community that takes care of its own affairs, everything from education to business, you name it, a community. And um, so today's Memorial Day, and hopefully you have an outline that should say memorials on it. And uh, how many know the memorials we build in honor are incredibly significant? Matter of fact, I think how significant we've discovered in this last time of unrest, right? Um, and so they're important uh, because... They prepare us for a better future when we remember the past, even past that wasn't so right and good about our history, but we remember it clearly, right? So we determine, no, we're not going to do that again. And so uh, I was just thinking about the Lincoln Memorial when I was in Washington one time. I mean, ah, I don't know. Monuments do stuff, you know. It's not just the monuments, but it's the thought behind them, you know. And Abraham Lincoln and the trouble he went through and assassination and what he had to go through and what our country went through at that time. I was also thinking, I, I used to live in Hawaii and I used to live, oh man, I must have been two miles from the Arizona uh, Memorial, the battleship that sunk at Pearl Harbor. And it was quite an honor just to live that. Every time, I don't think there was a time I didn't drive by I didn't remember those men there the, and women that are still at the bottom of the ocean, you know, as a result of that. Memorials speak. This is Memorial Day. And the desecration of memorials, which we've seen during the most uh, recent national unrest, is meant to influence our interpretation of historical events and our perception of who we are as a people. When you mess up our memorials, you mess up the reason why they're there. Even if they're there for a negative reason, right? Even if they're they're part of our history. And you can't reinterpret history in your own image. It's so important that we get history right. So as I think of Memorial Day and I think of all the violence that took place and the tearing down and the violence and stuff, it's uh, it's very difficult. But just like you can go in the negative with that and you can distort history, you can also use memorials to remember history properly, not only general history, but your history, your personal history. God's people in the Old Testament set up memorials to shape the future of new generations. You know that? so that their descendants would respond to the world according to God's point of view. So in the Old Testament, we see these memorials uh, all the time. And some of them are so vivid, so powerful. Like, for example, the one I'm going to read now, Genesis chapter uh, 28. It's the memorial that uh, uh, the stones of remembrance that were set up when Jacob has this incredible dream, right? And amazing, that's 4,000 years ago, this story. Yet what was said during that time to Jacob, what was said with those stones, still speak today. Not just speak, they speak vividly today. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Now, who was Jacob? What was the name, other name God gave him? Israel. We're talking about Father Israel himself. 
taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. 4,000 years ago, this monument was set up. Israel. Hmm. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, the north and the south. All peoples on earth, including us, the United States of America, will be blessed through you and your offspring. My. So as the Jews began to arise in Israel, the redemptive history of all humanity began to be put in place. Focusing then on Jesus Christ, a couple of thousand years into the drama. In the life of Jesus, the Savior came through a Jewish man, but a man for all peoples. Sacrificed on that cross so that all would have freedom. All could know Jesus Christ, could know the Father, and be with Him forever. Eternal life was at stake, but it came to the Jews. And it starts with this man, Israel. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. When Jacob awoke from sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head, and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He made a memorial out of it. He realized history was in the making. He couldn't have realized how big the history was. He had no idea how big, how dramatic. He just knew it was pretty serious. Oh, he called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. When Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give him give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord's the Lord will be my God. He decided this God was going to be his God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. <laughs> Four thousand years ago, God said into his economy, giving the first tenth of your income to him. Four thousand years ago, through this experience, it began to be filtered out and began to be, you know, focused on as the law came later and all it developed. But the idea that He's our God and that we give a tenth to Him. We worship Him. He's number one. He settled His issue with God right there, beginning with His finances. And I guess, I don't know why, but finances just seemed at that moment, that visitation, important to Him for some reason. But anyway, the important part is the memorial, right? And this memorial is still shaping history today. Still shaping politics today, 4,000 years ago. And it's still shaping history today. It's still the basis of part of the conflict that we have in that land right now. The 12 stones Joshua took from the Jordan River and set up at Gilgal were important for Israel's perception of their identity and future among the nations. They'd been in the Egypt, and now they'd finally made it 400 years of slavery, and they're coming back the land that was promised through their forefathers. The land that was promised to this Jacob, renamed by God Israel. 
When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as, as a sign among you. Note that. As a sign, a memorial among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Uh, Would that extend down into our present time? Uh, It says forever, beyond time, when time stops. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried over with them... To their, uh, carried over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the twelve stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at that spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there uh, to this day, whenever that day was when they wrote that. On the tenth day of the first month, verse 19, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask your parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he had dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this, so what? That all the peoples of the earth... That include Americans, yeah, Japanese, American Indians, (laughs) Brazilians. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful, and so you might always fear the Lord your God. Now he's giving us a little peek in verse 24 of what was to come, because you see, through Israel, as the plan of redemption developed, they became the nation that produced Jesus, who then became the one that included all the nations by his sacrifice. And through their nation and what happened to them came Jesus. And Jesus came to free all the world of its sins. One nation under God, now the holy nation, is not only Israel but way beyond. All that would accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior became the new holy nation. And all this is a part of redemption history. And so you see the importance of memorials. As we just look through these verses, how... God does this. He does it to communicate. He does it to communicate. And of course, Satan does the same thing to communicate. Even the tearing down of some of our cherished memorials, you know, and even the ones that they were going after, right? That speaks too. And so it's so important as we talk about this Memorial Day that we remember. I'm thinking of Samuel also and what he called the Ebenezer Stone. He named it that. It comes from first. Uh, Samuel uh, chapter 7, uh, verses uh, 10 uh, to 13. And I, I just want to read this uh, story. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines 
drew near to engage in battle, to, to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below Beth Car. Then Samuel took a stone and he set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. That Literally that name means stone of help. So the Philistines were subdued, and they stopped invading Israel's territory. Throughout Samuel's lifetime, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. The hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. So again, we see the same thing. He sets up this stone to remember. To remember, right? He sets this up between Mizpah and Shen. And so everyone knows and remembers the victory, the battle that the Lord gave us, gave them and us, by extension. I just want to think about that for a moment, because I don't think we think enough sometimes about our breakthroughs. I just want to pause and think about that for a moment. I just think that Christians as a whole, and me included, have a bad memory. And I'm learning through the scriptures to understand to have a good memory. Sometimes when you go through an extendedly bad time, you forget about every good thing God ever did for you, you know? And the enemy is very helpful there, (laughs) accusing you all the way. And you don't feel any spiritual bones in your body because the enemy has lied to you so thoroughly that you can't feel anything, right? And so it's on us to remember. It's on us to remember. Of course, the greatest memorial of all is the beautiful cross. The fact that God became a man and died for us. And if a man, God, the man and God came to die for us, oh, how much he must love us. How much he must love us and have us covered. He said he would. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. You know how we know that's true? He resurrected from the dead, proved he was God. A death on the cross is one thing, but a resurrection is another. And I love the symbolism of the cross, but I like that empty tomb just a little bit better. (laughs) (laughs) Two memorial lifestones that always get heaven's attention. I'm going to talk about prayers and gifts to the poor. And I want to refer us to Acts chapter 10. A wonderful story. This is where church history changed. All of history changed. And it's remarkable to watch how it changed. Because now God wasn't just the God of Jews with the promises and all of that included, but now God was opening the doors to the entire earth through the Jews, through what happened with Jesus, now to the whole earth. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need. Now notice this. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. These were his two habits. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. How do you know God still does that? Angels are still around, still calling people's names, still doing all kinds of stuff. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor. Listen to this. What were there? Two things? Prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. So history is about to change dramatically. God chose this man, Cornelius, a Gentile, to actually build a memorial to that. Your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial before God. God saw it. God recognized it. He recognized 
what had been put in place. He recognized that this person was searching for the unknown God. He was searching, just like so many are today. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord. Peter replied, I've I've never eaten any of those impure and unclean animals in my whole life. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Amazing. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back uh, to heaven. Very powerful. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from the Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to come to you, to his house, so that you could hear what you have to say. So he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. While talking with them, Peter went outside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against the, our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask, why have you sent for me anyway? <laughs> He's still sort of puzzled about the whole thing, right? So the bottom line is, the destiny of the Gentiles was about to come into place. And it came into place because there's this guy named Cornelius. And all he did on the one hand was pray and gave alms to the poor on the other side. And God loved it. It caused an aroma to ascend to heaven. Something about it. And God said, you know, I, I think I'm going to use my, and do my next uh, phase of redemptive history here at this place. So he takes the trouble to Simon uh, to summon Peter. And so while Peter is there preaching, to his utter shock and amazement, the Spirit fell on these Gentiles, and they began to speak in tongues. Something that had happened to the Jews at Pentecost, and they're still puzzled over it a little bit, trying to figure it out, you know. <laughs> Matter of fact, I just keep thinking about it a lot. You know, why in the world, of all the things that God could have done, He set up a situation whereby the first words that came from the first sermon was, these men are not drunk as you suppose. (laughs) They're blabbering in tongues, and then they're hearing them speak in their own language. My, my. And then it happens again. And this was so 
powerful. He realized that that moment, uh-oh, <laughs> God is going to include everybody. This includes everybody. We suspected a little bit because he kept, just had this habit of talking to the Gentiles and spending time with them, but like in the Samaritans too, which we really surprised us, right? So we see this begin to unfold. Now, it's interesting that as the, the two guys that were coming down, the little company were coming down to meet Peter, uh, what was he doing? What was Peter doing at the time? He was praying. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. So they come and visit him while he's praying. And these men are coming from a praying man who also gives gifts to the poor. Is that Could that be like any clearer? Right? These are two memorial lifestyles. He's, he's, the angel said, your, your prayers and your gifts have come up as a memorial. I noticed Something was built. Something that actually with our prayers and our giving, isn't it interesting? Something's being built in heaven. Amen. Something's being built in heaven through those simple, wonderful things put together. And here's Peter. And as the people approach, what's he doing? He's praying on his roof when they come. And, and God says, you know, go down and, and see them, right? So... We look at uh, Acts chapter 11, and I'm just going to quote what Peter was saying to all of the people, the religious leaders in Jerusalem who are having a hard time with this. He says, look, look, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remember what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave him the same gift he gave us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, it settled the issue. They had no further objections and praised God saying, well, we sort of suspected it, but even to Gentiles, God has now granted repentance that leads to life. I like to talk about this in my Life in the Spirit class a lot because this is a turning point in history. We assume it a little bit now, but history turned right there at that place. And it's interesting who God used and what God said about them in this turn. Jesus was very clear about the lifestyle of prayer and generosity and the legacy it leaves behind. Matthew chapter 18, 18 to 20, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Truly I tell you, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whoa. <laughs> just think about that just for a moment. <laughs> and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, and he underlines it, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Parents, don't stop praying for your children. You have something to say. If you're married, still with your husband and wife, you know, you can agree. It changes things. Amen. We give up on our legacy too early. If anybody should be praying about children that are born, it should be a husband and his wife. Maybe you don't have your husband or your wife, and maybe they died or divorced, whatever. You can agree with anybody. It just takes two. 
could even agree with one of the other siblings. Oh my. So just his prayer brought in this amazing memorial. God called it a memorial. It does it with us too. When you pray, you create supernatural activity. It's the way we get heaven's attention, right? Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Are you kidding me? Wow. And here's the second thing. And I love this thing because uh, generosity is the second memorial that we can build in our life that attracts heaven attention, causes God to remember us. So this woman, we see it in Matthew chapter 26. She anoints Jesus with oil. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an expensive, with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? They asked. Now, I don't think they fully understood completely at that moment still who Jesus was. They wouldn't have said a word. But they saw waste. She's pouring this out, and they knew that this perfume, and just if you don't know the historical background, this is worth a lot of money, this perfume. A huge amount of money. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Now listen to this. Here's the thing. A memorial was established here. Yes. Amen. From the generosity. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This act of generosity is remembered on every tribe, tongue, and nation through 2,000 years of church history. This woman is remembered. It was a memorial remembering her and how she loved Jesus well. Again, see these two things, prayer and generosity. The many expressions of prayer and generosity flowing from our church to this community are something that I fight vigorously for. Sometimes I, uh, I think of our campus here and I, I, I just think of two fountains, you know. I think the one fountain, the, the generosity, you know, that flows from here. It's one of the reasons why we established the warehouse the way it is. We will always, always be concerned about the poor and the weak. Now is a great time, more than ever before in our country. And we have this little bubbling up fountain that just kind of <laughs> keeps flowing and flowing and flowing, right? Whether we had the, the, uh, the disease or not, whether we had whatever, it just kept on flowing and flowing and flowing and grew bigger and bigger and bigger. I'll never forget, I think that maybe Mother Teresa cemented this in me. I think it came down through my grandma and my parents, but maybe on Janice's side as well, just this incredible concern for her family, for the weak, for the poor. But, but I remember this thing, and it was like lightning went through my soul, and somehow she stamped me with it when Mother Teresa, as I'm standing in front of her, right outside her door one day and she says young man this is what I would do I would go home and I would look and I would see and I would do something about it and that word hit me 
first of all, I laughed and I said, well, you don't know where I live because I'm thinking Orange County, you know, and even then there wasn't that much concern or at least in the environment about homelessness, but it stuck to me and I always wanted to have, because of the vision that I'd had for the nations, I'd seen so much poverty and, and sorrow out there, I always wanted to have a expression of some way touching that uh, sorrow locally so people could understand the plight of the poor on the earth and how there's no ladders to climb up. There. I remember the first time I took a missions trip somewhere, I tell you what, I came back with a new profound heart of gratefulness for what God had given, right? And so I think that the warehouse is this uh, memorial. This It's this thing. And so if you're not aware of what we do there, we sell uh, products that people actually donate, but we give a large amount of money away to the poor, the weak, including homeless people and feeding and all these things. And it's just been like this thing where we bubble up that we can reach the needs of our community and our depth that we're growing in with regard to this is growing by the day. We're learning more and more about how to house the homeless, what it's going to take, you know, and uh, how we do this. We're learning. We don't know much yet, but we're learning and uh, we're learning faster and faster and we're getting better and better at this. But it's so important, I think, these memorial lifestyles that get heaven's attention, I just think it's pretty cool to have it on campus. And it's also been my desire by God's grace. And there'll be a day when it will happen that 24 hours a day there'll be prayer going up here. We pray a lot here. We pray in business meetings. We pray in all kinds of settings. But we have made this a house of prayer. But I'm not satisfied yet. I'm not satisfied. So I have men's prayer meetings. By the way, we have one of those coming up. And I have business prayer meetings. And we have women's prayer meetings. And we have children. We have every kind of prayer meeting. But I still would like just to see a constant flowing. At least as many hours as the warehouse is open, I'd like that fountain open. That'll take people that have this revelation on the inside. Very few people have a revelation of prayer. But when you look through the scriptures and you understand it, you see, wow, there's legacy here. There's memorial here. If you want God to do something, do that. At the least, make it a house of prayer. There's so many things you can do in church, but at least at the core, we should be praying for people. We're going to have a healing meeting soon. And every kind of expression. On Wednesdays, we have a healing room that's open for anyone that would like to pray, get prayed for. We have every kind of expression, and it's growing and growing. My intent is that many expressions of prayer and generosity will flow from our church to the, the community. I just invite you into that. And I thank you for all you volunteers and all you people who have come and helped us do these various things. We appreciate it. From the prayers that go on uh, for those that are not doing well emotionally and mentally, to the prayers that go on for those that are sick, to the prayers that go on through our business community and through our men and women's ministries, every kind of prayer, every shape and form is proper and accepted and wanted. It's a memorial before the Lord. It's a memorial before the Lord, isn't it? Remember that your testimonies are the gateway to your ministry to the world. I want to read from Acts chapter 3 again. Verse 6, Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. So Peter looks at this guy and says, you know, I don't got any silver. He's begging. You know, I know you would like some money, but I, I do have this thing called this healing gift I could give. So here, take this. 
Taken by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. What is your story so far? Oh, I don't have much of a story. I wasn't a serious drug addict or this or that, you know. I didn't have a huge... Everybody's salvation is huge. (laughs) You cross from night into day. No matter how you register it on the emotional scale, when you go to heaven, or if you die and then come back like some of these people have been doing, (laughs) you will know how huge a thing that was. But here's the thing. God wraps you like a gift right out of your own experience. Because there's other people like you, maybe people that are not like you, but will listen to what you have to say. Sometimes people that are not like you still listen because they're looking for something, and your story reveals. Your experience with real, even your tiny experience, helps people maybe who have a tiny experience. <laughs> and you're humble. You say, well, I'm not sure exactly how this works, but... Uh, Man, I tell you, I've been finding a lot of relief and peace by going to church and kind of hanging around there. Did you know that's one of the most powerful evangelistic tools in the planet? Because new believers attract other new believers. <laughs> because new believers are on the same edge that they are, and they're just a little step ahead of them. Right? So what's your story? Giving away your testimonies are the gateway to ministry. So we see this. He, he doesn't have this, but... He has that. I, I have a testimony. What is your story so far? What's your memorial? Remember to give it to others. You know, I, I really planned the church. You know, we, Janice and I, I guess it's been 20 years. She, I, I don't even want to count the years. But anyway, it's like, it's getting up there, right? 20, what are we at? We're 24 years now. Whew. 24 short, beautiful years. No problems whatsoever. So, for every year of it, literally every year of it, I've had a class. I call it Life in the Spirit. You know what I do in that class? I just talk about my story. We built the whole church in the beginning, especially as new people came, I just told them my story. How I encountered the Spirit. How I didn't know the Spirit. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know the Lord, and then I came to the Lord, but then how I encountered as a Presbyterian young guy, and then how I experienced God, this baptism of the Holy Spirit and tongues and spiritual gifts, my perceptions of it, what I was thinking at the time, what others around me have been thinking. I built the whole church on that memorial of what happened to me when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, when I got saved, so that anyone that's new could also have the same experience. And so in that experience, that testimony keeps getting reproduced, and they keep getting baptized in the Spirit. That's how they get it, you know. And we just finished Pentecost, and I do the same thing. I tell basically my same story that I've been telling for 20-some 
thousand years, and then we pray, and 90% of them get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a memorial. Memorials are powerful. They come, your testimony like that, whatever God did with you comes in it, it has power in it. And even sometimes people that are not like you, sometimes people that are like you, but everybody's hungry for Jesus. And whatever angle you have, it's important. So whatever story you have, remember to keep telling it, because it's your story. It's your memorial. It's what God has given you, and it's the most powerful thing in the world. And God does not expect you to be a missionary, missionary in Botswana uh, if you're not supposed to go, right? Or, or to some other faraway thing. We always think that would be the highest, some kind of sacrificial thing. Just be you. And the altar and the memorial that God has built in you and use it because there's plenty more like you in the same exact life space. And even when they're not in the same life space, there's people like you because they're human beings and they're all hungry for the same thing. And that's God and His Son, Jesus. Let your light shine. You're a walking memorial. And use prayer and giving as memorials to the Lord. They attract the presence of the Lord like bees to honey. The angels swarm around it. They love it. Supernatural power resides in these things and the other things that we see in the Bible and the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. So, today's Memorial Day. Pray for our leaders that are on the front lines. Pray for our soldiers. Pray for the direction of our country. I don't think there's any more important time that you're praying for your country than now. Matter of fact, I believe firmly that what's going to happen as the people of God have been reacting to this, they, they got their prayer boots back on. <laughs> And all this prayer for our government is going to cause something really, really good. Whatever you do, do not succumb to fear and pressure. Just remember your roots. Be generous with all the peoples around you and pray for the government. Pray for all those that are in authority, the Bible said, and make it a part of your habit. When you do that, heaven comes to you. You set up a memorial, and God looks at that and remembers, you know, I think I'll use that person. I think I'll do that. Right, that's exactly what I did with Cornelius. And I'm just thinking today, as I'm looking at everybody, I'm just thinking, my, my. What a heritage people have. I think what I'm supposed to do as we close is to fire that up, to rekindle those fires. Your heritage. How did you come to the Lord? Who are you? What are the possibilities for my life? God's always looking for someone he can use. Maybe we could just make a memorial today on Memorial Day. God, I'm changing things around. It's time to walk with you. Time to get to know you. Time to give you some attention. Time to start believing. Time to hope again. Time to pray for my business, my family, not to give up on my closest loved ones. It's time. 
all that's happened so far in this crisis that we've been in, the political crises and the crisis with COVID and all of it, it's done nothing but prepare us to be better prayers and givers, honestly. And also, most importantly, tenderize to the Lord. When you're weak, God's strong. He put the whole world in that place. Could you imagine? And I just think it's sort of important to remember God put this in place for the whole world. As far as I know, here's an odd thing. I don't know of one person, one prophetic person, one person in all of Christianity that saw this coming, the COVID crisis, on this level. Is that a weird or what? He just did it. God allowed it to happen. He allowed this whole thing to happen. But he didn't mean it for our harm. He meant it only for good. Because supernatural things, supernatural harvest, supernatural move of God is a foot across the whole earth. And as an individual, it always starts with you. Make sure it doesn't pass you by. And you get all busy with your life again. You get all involved with your life again. You get hard and you stop remembering. Right? It's an amazing opportunity to remember God. An amazing opportunity. That's an amazing opportunity to go forward with your faith. And in going forth with your faith, guess what? God's not up there trying to limit you. He's trying to bless you. Amen. He says this is the way to walk in it because He wants you to prosper. He doesn't want to be call you to be a monk unless you would like to be a monk but for most of us it's just that we got jobs and families and stuff and he wants to bless you if you try and even God says this test me in this see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven oh it's just the floodgates of heaven I'm going to ring the bell, doorbell ding dong ding dong ding dong here 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 Floodgates of heaven, if you read your Bible, which I'm sure all of you are reading constantly. If you read your Bible, you'll find out floodgates of heaven includes personal peace, health in your body, money, (laughs) welfare of your children. Anything you could think of as good, God will take you and raise you. (laughs) Right? Here's one. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So what is abundant life to you? Well, that just means, um, well, that's what I think. But, but you'd be surprised how much God thinks about abundance the same way you do. But He actually always one-ups you. You think about it up to this place, but He goes way beyond. So, yeah, okay, I see what you need here. Well, why don't we just change careers and let's just go do this now. Oh, no, everything's falling. No, it's not falling apart. I'm blessing you. No, this is terrible. I feel really insecure. Yes, and some of you do. God works all things together for good, for them to love the Lord and call according to His purpose. So He's helping you. I don't know about the rest of the world, but His sons and daughters, He's helping you. He's helping you spiritually, mentally, emotionally. He's helping you. He's blessing you. This is where we are. When we're weak, we're strong. When the rest of the world's weak, they're just weak and pitiful. I don't want to be pitiful like the world. I want to live 
I want to create memorials before the Lord through the generations. I want to give my children something to follow, something of substance that will meet them in their deepest need, their darkest situation. That's what we have going for us right now. We've all been brought to the same place. We're really vulnerable. God gives grace to who? The humble. So if you're vulnerable, good. Now you get grace. Well, it doesn't feel like grace to me, you know. It doesn't feel like grace to me. Hey, I got my own choir over there. All right. That's worth shouting about. So, uh, Kurt, do you have a guitar still? Could you come up here? How do you like Kurt? I call him Romance Man. I know. He hates that. That's about the last thing he'd want to be called, but in his music, he just melts your heart. That's it. I'm sorry. It's an anointing he has on him. And um, I just think if you could just play a little bit, Kurt, and I, I just I think that there's some of you that just need to go and get your kids and all that. But um, why don't we do this? Why don't we just take a moment and you can just take 10 seconds, 30 seconds, one minute, whatever you're comfortable with. And in this worship time, your prayers rise as a memorial to God. Why don't you just do some business with God? You could be interceding over a situation that you feel particularly bad about, but when you intercede, thank God, say, Lord, I thank you in advance that you already have this situation, but I'm going to give it back to you again today. All right? And the other side of this is maybe as we pause for a moment, just let the Lord speak back to you. And if you just pause in the worship, sometimes God will give you a divine hug. He'll just hug you. Just make you feel like it's going to be okay and talk back to you. All right? Now, I know some of you need to go, so feel free to go. But some of you, I think, might just like to come to the front. And some of you might just like to stay in your seat. So if you'd like to come to the front, feel free. We're just going to take some time. We're going to be here together. And if you need to leave now, feel free to go. If you do, just be quiet as you go out the door and, and, and kind of shut the door quietly. Because I believe that you could create a memorial right here in this moment. Maybe it's been a long time since you actually had a moment to address God. I mean, really address God. Maybe you're new to Jesus. Maybe... You've never really received Jesus. Why don't you do that now? You can do it right now. You just come to the front and do it right now. But either way, why don't we just do some business? Let's take at least five minutes, maybe a little longer, to do business with the Lord. If you need to go before then or after then, feel free. Just go quietly. So Lord, I pray as we do business before you, there's memorial offerings that are going to go up all over this place. Some of us are worried about our children, our families. Some of us are worried about our professions. Some of us need intense direction. Some of us just need our joy back to be healed emotionally because we're just not doing well. As we do business with you from our seat or up in the front, remember us and remember the things said in this very moment. Remember the things said in this very moment to you. Expressions of honesty and care, expressions of 
worship expressions of need. Remember us, Almighty God. We've been humbled. Our whole world's been humbled. But you said you give grace to the humble. So I pray as we pray, there'll be a mighty move. We'd see the change in our circumstances, in our children. You bless us when we go in and when we go out. In every way, you would prosper us. Just because we asked. Just because we asked. I pray you'd speak to us about our generosity. We'll never outgo give you. You say give and what? It shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's what you said happens. Show us how to give, how to be generous. To build memorials before the Lord that we'll see in heaven and we'll recognize even on earth. Come to us, Lord. Amen.